It's all things MMA for scoreline.ie and KCLR. My name is Ken McGuire, joined as always on screen over there. Uh, uh, <laughs> we got a really, we were like, rehearsing yeah. before we came on. <laughs> <laughs> By, uh, a rather shirtless Miles Price <laughs> of Team Rhino, uh, Kilkenny head coach of Team Rhino, Kilkenny. How are you? How's your week going? How are things? Yeah, yeah, uh, week's going really well. What day is it today? Thursday. Uh, no idea. Thursday. Where is it? Yeah. Is it? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, weeks, 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 great, going great. It's going really well. Yeah, thanks. Super. You? Um, uh, I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. Uh, we have a, a rake of stuff uh, on the go, as my post-its will allude to. Um, but uh, we let's let's start the discussion this week because we're going to split it in two. Um, so second part of the discussion, we're going to look ahead to UFC 280 because as as cards go and as fights go, we're in for some absolute bangers uh, later on this month. It's coming up on the 22nd of October. Uh, but let's start the conversation this week with a catch up on what's been happening on the home front because when we spoke last week um, you had Ryan Mangan who had been brought onto the card at Grapple Fest in Liverpool at the uh, Irish Open on the jiu-jitsu side of things uh, has taken place so you had a whole heap of the little rhinos and like loads of them making away. That stuff has really grown. We'll have a chat about that. Uh, you've got your female competitors. They were in action as well. Um, and uh, you had uh, Paul uh, on the Cage Legacy card. Um, so maybe maybe let's let's start there because um, what, I, what I know for, for Paul, this was a, a, this was a kind of a, a late take up on the card. He got the offer of the fight kind of less than a week out. I know he'd been training for, um, training for a lot of fights over the last year and, you know, things didn't go in, in his favor either with injuries or with, with pullouts and things like that. But, uh, finally got to see, uh, finally got to see him in action, uh, this weekend. So, so talk to me about the cage legacy side of things. How did that work out? Uh, yeah, just got a message. That's the way the, the the competition game is. Sometimes someone would message me on the week and go, here, have this available. I knew Paul was ready to go. Uh, I would I was pretty confident to throw Paul in with nearly anybody at that way, to be honest with you, in the amateur scene. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's take, take the fight. And uh, he went in and, you know, I was super proud of Paul as a coach because I know the hard work that he's put in. He's not young either. Like people forget that Paul is older than me, you know, and um, he trains every single day. He has a family, a full-time job. He's a coach in the gym. So he's a lot of different hats that he throws on. And he's the team captain along with uh, Wayne Nash, who's, who's, who runs alongside him as team captain as well, who did his corner. So, you know, to, for Paul to go in there and be as composed as he was, as calculated as he was, and his decision-making was on point as well. I was super proud of him. And he applied literally all the techniques we've been working over the last couple of uh, couple of months. So he just came out as on top. He looked amazing against a young, hungry, and big guy as well, you know. So, yeah, I was su- super proud of him. We all were at Team Rhino. Well, we should say it's it's Paul Nolan that we're, we're talking about. I, I neglected to mention that, though we would both know him as Paul. Um, 
on that, so you you just mentioned that you know he he goes in and he applies all of the techniques that you've that you've been working on. I mean, it's a it's a short it's a short notice fight for him, so it, it's not like he has like loads of time to prepare, or loads of time to study for somebody. Um, in and in some cases, it's just like okay, I've got the fight, I'll go in and I will do my thing and I will impose what I what I'm going to do. I mean, as as a as a coach, how how important for you is it, or or you know. You, when you when you see the stuff that's being put into practice in training translate exactly to the the live scenario and it works out. Uh, I mean, how, how does that? How is that for you as a coach? Uh, yeah, well, it's obviously it's obviously very satisfying as a coach to see uh, to see a student follow through with the techniques that you teach in class, but. Uh, so yeah, like I thought, I was super proud of see, seeing Paul like do that, you know, because it takes it takes a lot of uh, assimilation, a lot of anxiety to to in- implement new techniques, and not only that, as we were discussing on last week's podcast, I'm more of a libertarian when it comes to the advanced guys, you know, I want to see them implement their own techniques, and so I show a vast a vast number of techniques within the space of a few months, and Paul he picked and chose what really suited him. And he implemented it and he made it his own. So yeah, I, I'm I'm it's great. It's very satisfying as a coach, but I'm uh I was just glad to see that Paul kind of came into his own with a with a, a new array of skill sets, you know. Without totally speaking on his behalf, uh, are we likely to see Paul in action again before the end of the year? I mean, it's it's October now. We've I know there's more Cage Legacy shows and other shows that are that are planned. Or you know, have we got any more uh, competitors on the Kilkenny scene that might be in action this side of Christmas? Next week we have Caleb Brennan, Trevor Lee, Thomas Costigan. Lee Walsh and then in December we have Matthew O'Rourke, Niall Chandler, uh, Bill Hayes, Wayne Nash so far yeah so busy end of the year. Busy good stuff well it was busy enough then from the from the MMA side of things into the jiu-jitsu side of things so uh, the Irish Open uh, was on over the weekend as well uh, and a really good return it's great to see um, you got Paige Waters there on the on the female competitor side of things she seemed to have a, a good crack at the competition and medaled well yeah Paige is is really cleaning up in the jiu-jitsu scene at the moment and because she puts a lot of time and effort into the game you know she turns up to every single class uh a, a, a mantra a coaching mantra I like to stick by is that it's not who's good it's who's left you know it's actually the talented guys you have to be very careful of because they develop egos they they don't like to be told what to do uh, and you know it, it, it it's a fixed mindset you know it's kind of a warning sign for a coach uh, any coach with experience will 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 pay heed to that but uh, Paige isn't like that she just turns up every single day to train she stays super humble and the results speak for themselves you know she she keeps an open mind when it comes to her jiu-jitsu and she's actually quite aggressive as a as a competitor you know she really gives it all so uh, yeah big things happening but I, I i think what i'm most proud of is the kids you know like we had 20 we had 20, 20 well i'll start again what i'm most proud of is the coaches that support the kids first off Don Benzer and coach John Paul Soames are amazing advocates of jiu-jitsu for the kids. They're not just teaching them great techniques, 
but they're teaching them great moral codes, which is what the martial arts lifestyle is all about. And for 24 of them to go up and the first thing I heard out of any feedback was that they just gave it absolutely everything. They left it all in there in the match and they ended up coming out with 17 medals, three goals, eight silver and six bronze. So an amazing result for the, for the Little Rhinos. Absolutely over the moon for them. They should be so proud. The coaches should be so proud and the parents should be absolutely over the moon. So that's what martial arts is all about, in my opinion, giving back like that, you know. For a lot of them, I'd imagine it's their their first time in competition as well, is it? Yeah, it is. But it's a long time coming, you know. The guys have been building them up with their skill sets and their confidence for a long time now, you know. So yeah. uh, it's just it's hard to put into words for me, you know. I'm Because I would have never have thought this would have been where we would have gone to when, you know, I was just training with random people that didn't want to even train with me in sheds because they were like, oh, Miles needs me to train this technique and that technique. And nobody really knew what jiu-jitsu was. So it's just amazing to see, you know. Well, look, it's it's a testament to to where the club has gone and, and where the team and the, the gym has gone in general. I mean, even when we were, when I was, uh, when I was starting out on, on my own side of things with you, the little rhinos was maybe like, a, you know, a handful of of youngsters um but now it's it's very much become a it's very much become a kind of a a, a program and a family nearly all on its own yeah yeah it has yeah yeah and another uh, another one as well is <clears throat> the teenagers young bill hayes young danny gargan they did an amazing job as well and uh yeah adults did a super job but i think a big breakthrough through for us last weekend as well was uh, unfortunately, I couldn't make the Irish Open because I was over in Grapple Fest with a. It was it's a professional uh, grappling platform, with, and Ryan Mangan made his debut over there. So I was super proud of Ryan. Caught some of his uh, video highlights. Um, goes to Liverpool, uh, gets the win uh, on a platform like Grapple Fest. What does this do for someone like Ryan, who's really starting to push the boundaries in in terms of where he's going competition wise? Uh, well, Grapple Fest is alongside Polaris, the biggest professional grappling stage in Europe. You know, it's it's a huge, huge platform, media-wise, level-wise. You see guys from America coming over to these platforms. Like, we met all the Daisy Fresh guys over there. I actually got to, I don't know if you know, uh, if you're keeping in tune with the BJJ scene, but do you know Jacob Couch? Do you know him from Daisy Fresh? No. He's a pretty, he's a pretty big <laughs> name in jiu-jitsu in anyway, but yeah, <laughs> but we were getting to roll with them and hang around with them and get their vibes and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just where Ryan belongs. Like the guy that he rolled against, I rolled with in London grapple a couple of weeks before and Savan or, or Stefan, his name was, he's a, he's a killer. Like, you know, I like, he bet like a, a, uh, brown belt gold medalist in the IBGJFs uh, Europeans the week before in Polaris and Ryan went in and he took him out in under a minute you know like Ryan is like a complete and utter prodigy and it's not to do with his skill it's to do with his attitude he has the right attitude he turns up if there's only one person there to train with Ryan will train with him you know he doesn't turn up and get demoralized or if he does turn up and get demoralized he'll still train he has an agenda and he is, and he's very, very humble and he holds great integrity and he has a great moral code. And that's what makes him a great athlete. Nice. 
Well, that's a fair tribute to fair tribute to him as well. So, does he have anything else on the competition front? I thought you might have mentioned in in recent podcasts that he was looking at traveling a bit for a few months. Yeah, we're going to uh, the war the Europeans in just under five weeks, and then in December we're going to the Worlds over in Anaheim in LA. California and are you going to are you going to compete in the Europeans yourself no I'm just focusing solely on coaching for the for the for the rest of the year that's just right yeah that's my my goal is just to 100% be there for now I'll be training every day you know because like yeah. I'm one of Ryan's bodies you know so but my goal is I I'm I have a zoomed out approach I'm not too dug in as an athlete. I had my my time doing that over the last couple of months. Yeah, I'll probably step into that comp, comp, uh, competing shoes again uh, with jiu-jitsu, I'd say, next year. And then, but for now, my sole focus is is the team and Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, moving on from moving on from there. Um, uh, Moving on from there, we have. Hold on, sorry, I just hit a button. Everybody's fucking looking for me at windows here. Uh, boom. Moving on from there, and coming up at the end of this month, um, we have uh, UFC 280. It's probably one of the biggest fight cards uh, that's on the year, uh, and they're going all the way back out to the desert. It's at the Etihad Arena out in Abu Dhabi in the UAE. Uh, and it is. Barely stacked. We're going to see. We're going to see a lot of uh, Eastern European competitors on the card. But when it gets to, when it gets to the main side of the card, I will probably pick this apart in a little bit more detail. Uh, kind of heading into uh, heading into next week, and uh, where where it'd be a week out from the fight. Um, but you get a, a main card that features uh, Benil Dariush and Matthias Gamrot, who we've seen at KSW. Mm. I mean, as as uh, as lightweight fights go, that's pretty tasty stuff. We're going to see mm. Peter Yan as a former bantamweight champion. Sean O'Manley finally gets a crack at somebody who's inside the, the top 15, top 10. Uh, Aljamain Sterling gets a co-main event to defend his bantamweight title against TJ Dillashaw. He's come out with some serious accusations against TJ in the last week or so. Uh, and then we get the lightweight title uh, is up for grabs as well. Charles Oliveira and Islan Makachev finally get to see Oliveira. those two uh, go at it as well. Um, where where would you where would you like to start? Because there's there's an awful lot uh, there's an awful lot to be seen. Even looking at even looking like the kind of you know three out from the top where you've got Sean O'Malley and and Peter Yan in there we've seen what Sean is we've seen what Sean is capable of uh we know what Sean mm-hmm. thinks he's capable of we've seen what Peter Yan can do as well and obviously Yan has the the upset after the rematch against Aljamain Sterling as well um where where do both fighters go from here what do you think is going to happen in in Abu Dhabi are we t- we're talking about Peter Yan and Sean O'Malley here are we yeah 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 at Peter Yan, I think that Sean O'Malley's taken a big step up in in this fight. To be honest with you, I think that, and I think Peter Yan is like probably if you had to throw him in against the top ten, that would probably be one of the worst top ten guys to throw him in against because he's yeah. so good at reading fighters. He's a great fight IQ, you know. Yeah. So, and I think Sean O'Malley has a serious ego problem. Like, like I mean, yeah, I think he's just going to get completely completely checked in this fight. 
he's he's knocking on the door. His last fight uh, bumped him to twelfth uh, overall in the UFC's uh, bantamweight rankings. I mean, you still have Frankie Edgar is still knocking ahead of him, and Pedro Munoz is still knocking ahead of him, and Dominic Cruz and Rob Font and Marlon Vera. These are there's a lot of a lot of seriously stiff competition at bantamweight. And obviously, Jan is still yeah. there. Jan is still there as the number one contender. Uh, Albeit, um, albeit he won't be in the in the title fight. They're not going to make that for a, for a third time just yet. Uh, is it is it too much too soon for O'Malley, or is it a case of hey, look, you've been performing, you've been getting the results. This is more of a, a fight that the fans are are interested in. And if it works out for O'Malley and he gets the win, I mean, it's a huge coup. You take out a number one contender in in that position. No, it's too too, too much too soon. It's a, it's a business decision. It's not it's not a a fighter's it's not a fighter stepping stone decision that was that that system has been long gone now with the UFC that's you're talking about the Chuck Liddell Randy Couture days where this guy beats this guy now he goes up a ranking it's a business decision yeah uh, co-main event is going to see uh, Aljamain Sterling uh, defend the bantamweight title against TJ Dillashaw uh, this has been long long called for uh, at least on on mm. TJ's side of things, I mean, he's been he's been looking for a title shot. In his in his case, he's he's never uh, kind of like a Conor McGregor type of a thing. He's never lost the title. Yes, he's had to surrender the title, uh, and he's served his times on on the sidelines. Um, that's been called mm. into question again this week from from Aljamain Sterling. Is TJ Dillashaw still cheating? He's of the opinion he is, or at least he has been in more recent times. Um, but it should be an interesting matchup all the same. Can you can you break it down a bit? What do you think of it? I think TJ is probably going to beat Sterling, but it's not going to be as easy as what people think because I think Sterling is is really good. I was I was happy for him that he that he bet Jan the second time because yeah he he did look for it he did look like for like let's let's be honest just because guys are are fighters doesn't mean they can't still be cowards you know he looked for the he had a moment of being a coward and he looked for the way out but you know if a man is trying to change don't remind him of his past. And even though he was constantly getting reminded of his past and who he was and getting barraged, he still found the resilience to step up as a man, as an athlete, and to overcome the obstacle and showed a lot of heart, showed a lot of resilience. But I just think like skill set wise, TJ has that little bit more. But it's going to be a lot closer than what people may think, to be honest. Mm-hmm. If he takes the title, do we see Jan and Dillashaw? I mean, we would have loved to have seen the likes of Aldo and Dillashaw. Um, and now there is there is also that thing is like I had read I had read during the week where I know Aldo had said he was done and he'd retired, and that boxing might be an option. But then we came out earlier in the week that it was like he's still technically under contract with the UFC. And while he had left the UFC with this one fight on his contract or this one fight there. Um, yeah that he has now he's saying that he wouldn't compete we know that retirements in MMA typically don't last forever uh, could you picture a scenario where could you picture a scenario where uh, TJ Dillashaw beats Aljamain Sterling Peter Yan has to sit on the sidelines maybe he gets the maybe he ends up taking the defeat from Sean O'Malley and then they're like oh damn we've got TJ Dillashaw as a champion hey do you know what we've always wanted to see what TJ Dillashaw and Jose Aldo would do to each other they're not too far removed in age, um, and and throw that out on the table. That be possible. Yeah, that, 
wild card uh, uh, as it is? I think it could happen. Yeah, of course. Sure. If we've seen stranger things happen in the in the world of martial arts, but I do think that the bantamweight division is pretty stacked at the moment, and there's a lot of exciting matchups that could happen. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see Aldo just retire, really, to be honest, because I think what 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 the fuck has he got to prove? Like, you know, his 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 time is done. But you're you're not you're not um you're not wrong on the on the stack side of the bantamweight front. I think. Anybody these days yeah. watching Bantam fights inside the top 10, 12, 15 fighters, you're going to get served a really, really good fight. At main event, Miles, mm-hmm. on the 22nd of October, is going to see two of your favorites, Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Islam We've been looking for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Makachev has been running riot in the UFC since he signed with the promotion. And Charles Oliveira... Mm-hmm. Love him or loathe him, and nice guy and all as he is, you just cannot count him out. I don't know how anybody loads him. He's a fucking great advocate for the sport. I I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, and I don't I don't know whether they play this as a kind of a, a good versus evil or the good guy versus the bad guy or the you know the king versus the pretender to the throne, but. I think whatever whatever way whatever way it goes, I I don't even see what's uh how you how you can actually, you know, jump off the fence and actually pin a verdict on this one. So Oliveira missed weight by uh, a fraction of a a fraction of a fraction of a pound, and was immediately stripped of the title at UFC uh two seventy four. This was for the fight against Justin Gaethje, and then goes out and beats Justin Gaethje but can't win the title. Gaethje could. So then the title goes um so then the title goes out and goes and goes up for grabs. The title is still technically vacant. Um so now you've you've got two guys that are, are gunning for the belt. Oliveira wants it back. Uh Islam obviously wants it and doesn't want to let go of it if he gets his hands on it. Uh is this gonna stick around on the ground? Are we gonna see a whole lot of wrestling and and, and jujitsu going on here? Do they just strike it out? What way do you see it unfolding? I think I think that look, I I'm very fifty fifty about what's going on here for obvious reasons. Charles yeah. Oliveira is everything that I think a champion should be. He is a, an amazing moral code, great integrity. He's uh, he's shown resilience. I, I'm not sure why society seems to always knock the guy that. Has been open like shouldn't the shouldn't the someone like Oliveira be like the person that's like you'd look to and go wow that's like what life is all about like he gets he he gets back down he loses he goes down he comes up he loses he comes up he loses and then he finds himself over time like you know not everybody's going to be a bleeding Islam he's like the one percent that like constantly goes in an upward trajectory like Acharis Oliveira. Vera is like, you know, the average Joe that goes through life that has the ups and downs and then finds his way over time. And then be like, I mean, he's an amazing story. He's an amazing story. So like, I think that he doesn't get enough credit for what he does. He doesn't get enough credit for his skill set, his resilience. And I like Islam, but I'd like to see his, uh, I, I think my, my head says Islam, but my heart really does say Charles Oliveira. I think that Islam's probably going to make it a very boring grappling match he's not going to stand and bang with him like that's not going to happen and if he does Charles is shown over and over again that he can take a shot and come back like if he can take a shot off Justin Gaethje and take a shot off the same uh, with Michael Chandler, Chandler. Yeah, yeah. 
he's got he's going to he's going to be able to take a shot off Islam. Like it's that simple. And when have we seen Islam really? The thing is, this is what I'm most interested in to see in this fight. Islam Makashev getting some sort of resistance. What happens to him when there's resistance? What happens when it's not total annihilation? Could could, could this be like the kind of uh, Gilbert Burns and Hamzat scenario? Yeah. The the rising star of welterweight slash slash middleweight who looks like he's going to scorch earth and and burn all those around him, but finally meet some good competition. (laughs) I personally think I personally think that that's going to happen, yeah. But I think that man is such a close fight. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I actually, I think this is the only time I couldn't actually pick someone. I don't know. And, and if Ola, so, so let's say Oliveira wins the title. Who's wow, the next? Who's the, who's the next real challenge for Oliveira after that? Oh, Conor McGregor, obviously. Like <laughs> <laughs> McGregor is never going to make lightweight again. Hmm. McGregor's never going to make lightweight. That's because he's that's because he's that's because he's on the good stuff. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why he has a doctor walking hanging around with him the whole time like a shadow. A lot of, <laughs> lot of, a lot of food being consumed. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like, legitimately, <laughs> I mean, I eat on, a lot of food and I just get fat. <laughs> <laughs> on the lightweight side of things, I mean. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be Dustin and Charles. It's not gonna be Dustin and uh, Dustin and Justin again. It's not gonna be Dustin and Michael Chandler. Benil Dariush is also on the card. He gets over Mateus Camrod. You know, fair enough. He might be in with a shout there. I don't see it being mm-hmm. a kind of a, a Charles and RDA side of the things. Um, Dan Hooker's time at at lightweight and and those big fights has probably come and gone. Tony Ferguson is the same. Um. So he's he's kind of he's kind of cleaned up all around him in his own way over the years. Who's this, sorry? Uh, Oliveira. Oh, just yes, yeah. Sure, he's fought everybody. He's fought yeah. all the all the all the best guys around. Like, I mean, he's 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 just he's the average Joe's success story. Yeah. I don't know why he gets. It's only all the keyboard warriors and perfectionists that fucking yeah. are are. Grading them like you know they have nothing yeah. else to do. But I mean, but, but like, similarly, if if Islam wins the fight, is the is the only real kind of logical step at lightweight looking past this fight is the only logical step at lightweight to rematch with Oliveira, because Islam looks like he'd still run through everyone else in the lightweight division anyway. I think they'd probably give him the winner of uh, Belial, Belal and Matthias. Yeah. Probably they would probably do that to mix things up, yeah. I'd say so. But it depends. It depends on the fight, doesn't it? Like yeah. I mean, if it if it turns out to be like a Leon Edwards and uh Usman fight, then they're probably gonna give him an immediate rematch, you know. But if it turns out to be an absolute annihilation, then he'll probably have to work his way back up. It depends yeah. on the on the dynamics of the fight, yeah. Yeah. Well, also on the card, we've got uh, Caitlin Chukagian and uh, Manon Fioro uh, opening the main card with a women's flyweight boot. Uh, Bilal Mohammed uh, tops the prelims against Sean Brady at welterweight. Uh, and there's a whole host of middleweight uh, and featherweight boots in there. We'll have a, a run through those in more detail a little bit uh, later, like maybe next week. Uh, before we, we wrap things up, if people want to get in touch with Jamiles, what's the best way to do it? Team Rio Kukani. Email or Instagram, and that'll be grand. 
Excellent. We'll get those details uh, in the show notes and on the blog post as well, scoreline.ie. Until next week, I've been Ken McGuire. He, see, I did it right, has been Miles Price. Oh, we got it. We got to do a rehearsal for everyone. We did that video like, thing. Yeah, every other every other week has been like <laughs> the joys of doing this for both yeah. uh, video and audio. So I've been Ken McGuire. He has been Miles Bryce. This has been all things MMA, and we will do this all again next week. Good luck. Yeah.